Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast. I'm your host, Corey Cohen. In this episode, we're going to be talking primarily about the state of Pitt men's basketball and Pitt men's soccer. Uh, we were away for a little while, um, been dealing with a family medical emergency. I really appreciate the support from everyone who reached out and everyone uh, just who, who offered whatever they could. Uh, it's It's just been really... Uh, heartwarming from this pit community. Uh, what we also missed during that time was pit volleyball making an incredible run. They made it to the elite eight. Unfortunately, they fell short. They they came so close. They were about to move on, and uh, then pitting happened. Unfortunately, they they uh, sort of collapsed at the very end. Let it go uh, to a fifth set where they lost. Uh, still, a remarkable season for pit volleyball. Their best ever, and the program. It's just going to keep getting better and better. Two of the top players from the team decided they are coming back next year and because they have that extra free season. Uh, so Pitt Volleyball still in incredible shape. It, it's a shame because uh, if you saw, if you followed them, if you saw how hard they worked and how talented they were and how much they put into it, you would have loved to see them make the Final Four, but they still had one hell of a season. And again, that program is going to continue to grow and grow and get better and better. Uh, in this episode, we'll we'll talk about pit soccer in a little bit because just like pit volleyball, pit soccer is doing some miraculous things on a huge level. Uh, we will start with pit basketball though because things are very rough right now for the state of the basketball program. Capel Jeff Capel had a uh, a pretty rough couple of days, a pretty rough weekend entering into Monday. So call it a long weekend. They had two targets that they wanted to land. One was a freshman, Efton Reed, a big man who could have come in and really helped solidify this team in the front court and really, you know, turn things around for the Panthers. And then the other was Justin Champagny, someone who they already have, hoping that he might decide to come back for his junior year, run it back and hope that they uh, can make a deep run with him, that he can maybe win ACC Player of the Year and uh, and see what happens there. Jeff Capel went 0 for 2. I mean, he, he missed both free throws, if you want to use that analogy. It was a very bad long weekend. We'll start with Efton Reed because that's what happened first. Uh, this was a, a bizarre saga, and it really seemed like for Capel and for the Panthers, they put all their eggs into this one basket for the most part. Uh, this is a highly, highly rated recruit, a five-star, one of the top recruits in the country. And to their credit, they were in the conversation. They were right there until the very end. Uh, and this is, is not the first time that that's been the case under Jeff Capel. He is in the conversation, and he has been right there for a lot of excellent recruits. The problem is they haven't actually landed any. He hasn't landed any five-star recruits. And, okay, that's one thing if you're landing a bunch of four-star recruits, but that's not happening either. So they're going, they're swinging for the fences. They're going for these five-star recruits, and they're always close. He builds up a good relationship. Jeff Capel is a, he's a great guy and, and really easy to talk to and all that. But no one actually picks it. No one actually decides to choose Pitt over the other schools. Now, in this case, we don't know exactly what happened or why it happened. Uh, there was some reporting that said that uh, that Efton Reed had initially committed to Pitt and then backed out because, really, he had announced that he was going to decide about a month ago. Then nothing happened, and then he said he was going to decide on, I believe it was Friday, 
and at noon and then nothing happened and uh and a couple days went by and so people just had no clue what to expect and as it turned out it was it was likely going to be between Pitt and LSU and he chose LSU over over the Panthers as i said there is some reporting that says that he initially committed to Pitt and then backed out and chose LSU then of course there's the question as to why um and there is some speculation partially because Will Wade with with LSU uh, there are some questions. They're being investigated for uh, some improper behavior. So you just never know if it's a program that that's into that, if that might have played a part. Also, Jason Capel, assistant coach, posted on Instagram a quote that said, real comes from the heart, not the pockets. Um, you sort of put those pieces together and with the way that a lot of top college basketball programs are now in terms of putting some money under the table and you know, seeing how they can uh, reel reel some players in, reel some recruits in, in ways that uh, don't qualify under the rules. That's happened a lot. We've seen that where programs have essentially decided, or coaches or whatever, they've decided that they'll do some shady things, things that aren't allowed, and they will take that chance. And if they build a great team, no one's going to care in 20 or 30 years if something was stripped, if a title was stripped, if a conference championship was stripped, if, no one's really going to care. And people will remember what actually happened on the court. And we've seen a lot of programs sort of decide to go in that direction. Sometimes they'll just self-impose a postseason ban for a year and uh, and let it go away. So we, it, it's purely speculation. We have no idea, and there's no way to know uh, without some deeper reporting uh, or investigations from the NCAA that said, for whatever reason, whether it was improper or proper, uh, whether he committed to Pitt or not and, and backed out or not, uh, Efton Reed decided to choose LSU over Pitt, and the Panthers were without a star frontcourt player for another year. So that happened, and then the day after that, Justin Champagny announces that uh, he is hiring an agent which you can do this year, you can do and still come back to college. Before, it was once you hire an agent, you're considered professional, your NCAA eligibility is done. I like that they changed the rule. I hope that it sticks, which is you can hire an agent, you can declare for the draft, but if you don't go in the draft or if you're like a late second rounder, you can still come back to college. You can still make that decision. I really like that idea. I think that should be the case, uh, not just for this year, but moving forward. However... Justin Champagny not only hired an agent and uh, declared for the draft, he also announced that he was not coming back to Pitt. Sort of a bold move because he's not a first-round projected pick. It's not a slam dunk that he's going to get a ton of money and have a great opportunity. There's a decent chance that he goes in the late second round or he doesn't get drafted at all and, you know, gets a G League contract and tries to make it from there. So it, it's a little bit odd that he decided that he's not coming back to Pitt no matter what, that he didn't want to you know, leave the door cracked open just a little bit. That said, I think that says something about this program and this team for this upcoming season. And what it says is that this team is not going to be that good this season. And after a few years where the team hasn't been that good, and you've got another year where Justin Champagny, a star player, has decided that he's going to take his chances by going pro, even if he doesn't get 
a first round or even a high or even a mid-second round or even a late second round for that matter pick, he could be an undrafted free agent and he would rather do that than play another year for the Panthers. And it's not because the relationship is bad because you could see on social media he's got a good relationship with Jeff Capel and it's it's mutually beneficial. It goes both ways. What it really seems to mean is that even though he's got a good relationship with Capel, and even though he likes Pitt, and even though he's grateful for everything and, and you know all, all the stuff that people always say when they decide to leave and go pro, he sees the writing on the wall, that this team isn't going to be any closer to contending next year as they were this year. And so if he comes back, he could still be a really good player, and he could still make all ACC first team, but the actual team, and this is a guy, you know, athletes, they value winning. The actual team is not going to be able to make a run at an ACC championship. The actual team is not going to be able to make the NCAA tournament next year. And he sees the writing on the wall, and I think everyone sees the writing on the wall, and that's a big problem. Because this past season was, okay, now's the time, maybe you can put it together, maybe you can make the NIT, this is where you start to, to see the building blocks. And then the next year, meaning 21 into 22... That's the season where you go all in and, and you can make the NCAA tournament. That's where it's a realistic expectation to say, this is the year to make the NCAA tournament. And Justin Champagny saw the writing on the wall that even if he played, even if the star player came back, there wasn't going to be enough help around him that they could make the NCAA tournament, they, that they could accomplish that goal. And so he decided that he was going to go pro, uh, even if it means not going drafted at all that he was going to go pro and take his chances because he just didn't see a worthwhile opportunity with Pitt basketball next season. And I get it. I don't blame him whatsoever. I never blame a guy when he decides to go pro. I completely get it uh, in this case because if you are focusing on, I want to win, I want to do things at a high level, pretty much no one would argue that, that that's going to happen at Pitt next year. Now, he waited until after uh, the Efton Reed announcement, commitment to LSU. I have no idea, but I wonder if Efton Reed, a star, you know, a five-star, uh, talented recruit from the front court, decides to come to Pitt, I wonder if Justin Champagny considers it. Maybe not. Maybe it had nothing to do with it. Timing was purely coincidental. But I wonder if Justin Champagny maybe decided to come back, or even if he decided to, to declare for the draft and hire an agent, maybe he would have still thought, kept in the back of his mind, maybe I'll come back to Pitt in case I don't, if I'm not drafted highly or if I'm not drafted at all. And you just wonder, these two things, if they're connected and just the overall state of the program, when Jeff Capel keeps missing and when the hopes of this, this team succeeding next year, when they keep dwindling, if that plays a major factor into a player like Justin Champagny saying, I don't even care if I don't get drafted. I'm not coming back because I just don't see an opportunity there to win. And again, I think everyone sees that. And that's a problem. This program, I don't think anyone can imagine, not just that they make the NCAA tournament, that is completely off the table. I don't see any chance they can make the NIT next year without Justin Champagny, without a star freshman in the front court uh, like Efton Reed. I just don't see it. Now, they did land a good junior college forward. Uh, named Chris Payton, so we'll see what he can do. I mean, they're, they're going to be able to field a team next year, but I just don't know if that team is going to be that good, if, if it's going to be 
like another team similar to how this past season was or the year before, just a mediocre team that hangs towards the bottom of the ACC. They're not awful, but they're not very good. And if, if that continues, if Pitt can never land a very good recruit, then that that's the huge concern that this program is just going to be spinning their wheels because they can't actually get to that upper echelon. And I mean, that's certainly the concern. The problem is now they've sort of backed themselves into a corner where the only real way to turn things around is to get some excellent recruits and hope that they choose you. And then you go from there because the days of having a player who's going to stick around for three, four years, those are dwindling as well. And I mean, if you have a player who's very good, he's going to declare for the draft or he'll transfer and go to North Carolina, someone like, you know, Cam Johnson, or you have a player who's not very good or who's not getting the minutes. And then, of course, either they transfer or they don't, but that's not helping much either. And so really, the only way to turn this program around, you can't do it slow and steady, first of all, because it's taken a long time already and and that hasn't really worked and second of all because you can't really build that way anymore so you sort of have to go for these top rated recruits and now i'd argue you could go for more four stars than five stars more realistic chance that you can land some of these four stars but you know he goes for the five stars and he hasn't been able to come up with any yet uh we'll see but it's just not a very good uh, situation right now for Jeff Capel. And, you know, it, it was never a slam dunk when they hired him. I know a lot of people loved the hire. And and personally, Jeff Capel seems like a great guy. And, and as an ambassador for the program, I can't imagine anyone who'd be better than Jeff Capel. But as the coach and, and as a recruiter, he builds these great relationships. But ultimately, no one actually decides to choose Pitt. And that's a huge problem. And then you, you go back and you think about, okay, what the initial hire, everyone was excited. I was a little bit hesitant. I was a little bit skeptical. He had success at VCU uh, in in 2002 to 2006. Okay, that's good. I mean, he it wasn't great success. He made the NCAA tournament once out of those four years. But okay, he had some success there. He went to Oklahoma. He made it to the Elite Eight with Blake Griffin you know, makes all the sense in the world. But then after that, he sort of flamed out. He had two below 500 seasons and things weren't working out. And then he left. Then he went to Duke and you thought, okay, this is where he'll sort of relearn everything, learn under Coach K and all that. And he did a great job landing recruits and all that. But of course, it's Duke. They sort of recruit themselves. So you wonder how much of uh, that is factored into it. Ultimately, the thing that concerns me and concerned me at the time was that the only really good seasons that he had? Now he did uh, spend that one, the one year of VCU that he made it to the NCAA tournament that they won at that time. They were in the CAA that he won it. That was a very good season. But the only great season uh, was the one with uh, Blake Griffin, was two thousand eight, two thousand nine, when they made it to the Elite Eight. That was the only great season they went thirty and six, thirteen and three in the Big Twelve. The problem is you're not getting a Blake Griffin at Pitt. So the kind of team that you built there, it was never going to work at Pitt. You were never going to get this incredibly talented superstar athlete to come and just turn things around in the course of a year. That that just wasn't going to happen. And the, the concern was you looked at what happened without Blake Griffin at Oklahoma, and you wondered, okay, if Pitt isn't going to get a Blake Griffin, because that's just not in the cards, 
Is it going to be more like those years at Oklahoma when he didn't have Blake Griffin? And it's starting to seem that way. That it's not terrible, not Kevin Stallings bad, but just mediocre. That it's just a mediocre team, doesn't have a star player, and it's just about how you build the program. The reason why in the last uh, hiring round, I thought Eric Musselman was the best choice, was because the way that he built Nevada was through transfers. He saw a team and he said, I'm going to turn this team around quickly, and the transfer market is where it's done. I'm going to get guys from all over the place, and they're going to transfer here, and that's how we're going to win. And they made a pretty incredible March Madness run at Nevada. Eric Musselman interviewed for the job at Pitt, didn't get it, and uh, then he ended up taking the job at Arkansas, where he just uh, led another miraculous run in March Madness and just landed a transfer from Pitt, actually, in Audis Tony, who's probably going to crush it down there. So that it's just about how you build the program. For someone like Eric Musselman, he builds the program through transfers and through guys who can just come in for a year or two and, and play in that system. With Jeff Capel, it seems like with Oklahoma, I mean, the, the biggest success came when he built the program around one superstar coming. At Duke, he landed these superstars, and they would come in. He would recruit them, they'd come to Duke, and they would be great, and that's how he did it there. And at Pitt, that seems to be a similar sort of thing. He's going for these five stars. He's trying to land a superstar and hope that that turns it around. But it's a lot harder to land a superstar at Pitt than it is at Duke or Oklahoma. And so Jeff Capel, he, he is in trouble. This program's in trouble. And the other problem is is that his contract is brutal. He was extended just over a year ago, which, I mean, that's how things are these days. If a coach has a little bit of success, they get an extension. And it's, I mean, I, I can understand why basically every coach wants to have four year, at least four years on their contract, because every time they're recruiting, they want to tell a kid, I'm going to be here all four years. Don't worry. But still, when you extend someone without that much success, it's a risk. And at this point, Jeff Capel's contract is good until 2027. Right now, he hasn't had a very good season at Pitt. It's looking like next year won't be a good season. And you start to wonder, at what point do you have to start thinking about how incredibly high that buyout is going to be? And at what point you just decide to pull the trigger and go for it? Because at a certain point, you, you might have to decide, hey, things just aren't working. This program is just spinning its wheels, trying to get top recruits, not landing them, and and it's just a mediocre program, and you don't want the program to get stuck there. It's one thing if you let the program sort of get stuck in, they make the NCAA tournament every two or three years, and maybe one of those years they can make a little bit of a run. I mean, that's one thing, but right now, they, they seem to be stuck toward the bottom of the ACC, not the very bottom. They're not at the you know they're not the worst team in the ACC or the worst program in the ACC, but they are stuck toward the bottom with no hope in sight to make an NCAA tournament anytime soon, and that is a huge problem. You can't allow that to continue all the way to 2027 if it doesn't change, and a lot of people would love it to change. I just don't know how that is going to happen. I don't see it right now. We'll see. Jeff Capel, like I said, he landed a, a JUCO transfer. We'll see how that works out, but overall, it just doesn't look like he has been able to assemble the pieces to put a, a program in a position to make the NCAA tournament, to have a successful season. And I just don't know how they crawl their way out of this hole that they're currently in. We'll see. A lot of time left, and he's certainly not going anywhere this offseason. He's got next season, and they can always prove it on the court. But right now, things are not looking so good. 
So we will take a quick break, then we'll come right back and talk about Pitt Soccer and their incredible run to the Final Four. Stay with us. You're listening to Unscripted. Okay, we are back here on Unscripted. We've got to talk about Pitt Soccer. Pitt Men's Soccer has had one of the most incredible turnarounds of any program that I could remember, any sport, any school. I mean, it's really sensational. Uh, similar, actually, to pit volleyball, but even uh, you know more. It's in a shorter period of time, and it's even more drastic, uh, because pit volleyball wasn't very good, and and Dan Fisher built them up, and he's built an excellent program there, and they're one of the top teams in the nation. They made it to the Elite Eight this year. Pit soccer, just a handful of years ago, was a terrible program to the point that I wouldn't have been surprised if they might have wanted to cut the program. I mean, things were that. T- I think if not for the ACC. If not for the move to the ACC, where soccer is a big sport, I think there was a chance that they might have cut the program because Pittsburgh isn't a huge soccer town and the program didn't have any success. And okay, then they bring in Jay Vitovich, a guy who has had a remarkable career, and they they bring him in after uh, uh, having uh, a, a remarkable run at Wake Forest. Uh, he won a championship there. Uh, he was coaching in the USL Championship and then uh, decided to come to Pitt as the head coach. And the hire was done by Scott Barnes. So you, you got to give him credit for that because it was a tremendous hire. Jay Vitovich has done just a miraculous job. He turned this program around from being one of the worst in the ACC to one of the best, not just in the ACC, but in the country. They were ranked as the second best team in the whole country this season, and they have shown that on the field. The only team that was their Achilles heel was Clemson, also in the ACC, ranked as the number one team in the country. And Pitt Soccer has been marching their way through the NCAA tournament so far. They haven't had a single close match. They've won every game easily, and... That big rival that you might expect to see, Clemson, they were knocked out. They were knocked out by Marshall. It was sort of a fluke. It went to a PK shootout, and uh, and Marshall won. But whatever it is, if you're a pit, you'll take it. Clemson is not in the tournament. You cannot lose to them. And Pitt kept on going. They made it to the Elite Eight, and against the University of Washington, Pitt won 3-0. Again, it wasn't particularly close. Now, they did score two of those goals very late in the game. It was 1-0 for a while, so things were a little bit dicey, but they ended up winning pretty comfortably. It didn't seem like Washington was going to have a chance there. Uh, There was a remarkable goal that if you haven't seen it, whatever you're doing, stop listening to this, go on YouTube, look it up. Uh, Velsko Petkovic for Pitt, it's P-E-T-K-O-V-I-C, and the goal that he had, it was the third goal in the game, and so it was probably over. I mean, it, it actually it was over. It was 2-0 already. Uh, this was just sort of the, the icing on top of the cake. And he shot from about midfield a rocket, and the goalkeeper for Washington was off his line. But it, this was a rocket that found the back of the net for the third goal of the game. Petkovic, just a, a stunner to wrap things up there. And what it meant was this team is going to the Final Four for the first time in history, and no pit program has gone to the Final Four in decades. It has been so incredibly long since uh, since Pitt was in the Final Four of anything in any sport. 
and they've been able to do it. Uh, as I said, Petkovic has been great in the attack. Bertine Jackson has been great in the attack. Valentin Noel has been remarkable. He's a phenomenal forward player, an attacking player. Noel has been great. And then in between the posts, Nico Camposano has been the goalkeeper, and he set records uh, at Pitt, uh, the winningest goalkeeper of all time, and he's got a ton of saves. He, he is incredibly dependable back there. You put all these players together. Jay Vidovich has done a great job building this program up, and they're in the final four. This, I mean, it, it's I can't stress how amazing it is that a Pitt team is in the final four. Pitt is not known for athletic excellence. They're known for being pretty good at at least a couple of things, and maybe they can pull off one amazing win here or there to spoil someone's season. But they're never one of the best teams in the country. I mean, even Pitt basketball, that was probably the closest, Pitt men's basketball. And even at the time, I would say 2011 is about when that ended. But even then, they they were not, I mean, they obviously they never made the Final Four, but they were never really, they never were able to prove themselves as being one of the top teams in the nation. And the closest they got, of course, was, uh, was uh, the Elite Eight, and uh, Scotty Reynolds happened. But again, no Pitt team has made the Final Four. This Pitt soccer team has been able to do it. Now, coming up, they've got a huge match. They are the two seed, which, and they don't have, you know, four one seeds, four two seeds, like in a basketball tournament. They just basically have it seeded as their ranking of the nation. So Clemson was the one. They've been knocked out. Pitt is the two, and Indiana is the three. Indiana's a great uh, soccer program. They've got a great team this year. And so it is number two Pitt versus number three Indiana. The winner is going to have a leg up in the championship game, which will either be Marshall or North Carolina. But right now it's looking like Pitt or Indiana would probably be favored in a championship game. So this is a monumental game. It's going to be very difficult for the Panthers. But if they win, they're in the championship game. And again, they'd be favored in the championship game. And the fact that a Pitt program is is knocking on the door of a national championship is truly amazing. It's incredibly impressive. Hats off to everyone who's gone into making that possible. And the only thing I would say is I, if you're a fan of Pitt, if you're a fan of Pitt football, Pitt basketball, I implore you to you know just dive in with this Pitt soccer team. There are only max two games left at this point. There's a final four match against Indiana, and then if they win that, a championship match. So that's it. It's not a big-time commitment. Uh, soccer is a very short sport in terms of uh, the, the game time. It's not college football where you're going to be sitting there for three and a half hours. Uh, they are in and out in, in two hours. So it, it's not a big-time commitment, and uh, it, it's a really fun sport. Sometimes it can be a little bit slow, but I'll tell you, when the games matter as much as this one is going to matter, even the slow parts are gripping. The times when, okay, even if someone isn't on the precipice of scoring, you are still just glued to the edge of your seat because anything can happen at any second, and and one single goal could be the difference between a trip to the championship game and your season ending. And so every single pass, every single movement has huge consequences. So I just I encourage you all, if you're a fan of the Panthers, which if you're listening to this, I would assume you are, just dive in with Pitt Soccer. Uh, the game against Indiana will be on national television. It'll be on ESPNU, and it'll be Friday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, that is uh, the Panthers against the Hoosiers, Pitt Soccer, Final Four. And, uh, you know, just appreciate this team for what it is, because what it is is 
incredible, and the fact that they've made it this far is amazing. But if you're a fan of the Panthers, you don't want it to end here. You want them to make it to the national championship game, and then you want them to win that. They've got two more wins. If they get two more wins, they will have achieved greatness, all-time legendary status. And, uh, you know, it's it's going to be incredibly exciting. So, like I said, Friday, 8.30, Pitt versus Indiana, the two versus the three uh, for a trip to the national championship game on the line. I would highly encourage you to get into it because uh, soccer, it's a lot of fun. The games that really matter, even if you think that soccer is slow or soccer is boring, I'm telling you, the games that matter, you get really into them. It is really exciting because any one move could cause a goal, and any goal, that could be it. This could be one nothing, and and that's the whole ball game, and Pitt either makes it to the national championship game or their season ends. And so when there's that much on the line, I'm telling you, it, it's thrilling, and I would highly suggest that you watch that. So uh, that is it for this episode of Unscripted. Um, not sure exactly when we'll be back. It won't be a regular schedule uh, because not too much is happening outside of Pitt soccer right now. Uh, but if something happens, maybe if they win the uh, national championship, who knows, uh, then we'll have a new episode. Uh, the best way, though, to figure out when there's going to be a new episode or see when there's a new episode is wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, whatever it is, uh, search for Cardiac Hill, hit the subscribe button. So anytime there's a new episode, it will come right to your listening device. You can also keep checking out CardiacHill.com for all the best content there. Of course, all the podcast episodes will be on CardiacHill.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Corey E. Cohen, uh, C-O-R-E-Y-E-C-O-H-E-N. Really appreciate you all. Again, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, I'm Corey Cohen signing off from Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast.